In today's episode of Winning Strategies Playbook, I got to prepare you. There's going to be a lot of foul language in this one. This is what happens when you put four Marines inside of a recording and we're all having a beer. It's going to be a fun episode. It's going to be an exciting episode. It's also going to be a serious episode. It's going to be a sad episode. And we're going to talk about some controversial topics within the veteran community. Cowtown Warriors is an organization started in 2013 where 100% of donations go straight to wounded, ill, and injured veterans. That's right. 100% of donations goes straight to the mission. You're going to hear from the current president of Cowtown Warriors, the incoming president of Cowtown Warriors, and the executive director of Cowtown Warriors talking about some veteran topics in today's world. I'm a United States Marine Corps veteran, so I am really excited about this episode because we get to talk about the things that are near and dear to our heart. We talk about veteran suicide. We talk about the transition of veterans coming from war zones into the civilian world. But here's the thing. We need you to share this episode with as many people as possible. Veterans make up a very small percentage of the population. There is somewhere around 350 million Americans in this country today. Less than 6.8% have ever taken an oath to protect this country against enemies, both foreign and domestic. These are folks that are willing to not only sign away their freedom for you, but they're willing to do violence on your behalf. They're willing to go into harm's way. So that way you can live in a country that is not like any other country. There's a lot of turmoil going on in this country right now, whether it be the economy, whether it be politics, whether it be the post-pandemic environment of where we're all just trying to learn where are we going to land tomorrow. I like to joke around that 2021 showed up, looked at 2020 and said, hold my beer. We're into some more chaos that is going to come, but we're going to come out better on the other side as a country because that's who we are as Americans, but also because we have great men and women that are willing to sign their lives away for you. So please share this episode with anybody and everybody, whether it's telling a friend, sharing it on social media, even sending it out on an email, a text, anything you can think of. Because these topics in the veteran community are very important. What's really special about this episode is with the current President Clint, the incoming President James, and the Executive Director Paul, we're able to tell some stories of how we have affected veterans' lives in a positive way. And not only affected their lives in a positive way, but 100%, that's right, you heard it, 100 pennies out of every dollar donated goes straight to the mission of helping wounded, ill, and injured veterans. How many organizations do you know out there that have a seven-year history where 100 pennies out of every dollar, 100% of it, goes straight to the mission of helping wounded, ill, and injured veterans? These guys are making a difference. These are three Marines as well as me being a Marine Corps veteran. And these three guys were in combat. They came back from combat, and they've been able to make a positive impact, not only on society, but fellow veterans. Tune in, and again, share this with everybody. You can cry, you can laugh, you can get serious during this one. We touch all of them. Plus, when you have four Marines sitting in a small space, recording an episode, and we're having a beer. 
there is a lot of four-letter words that come out. So I do have to prepare you. This episode is going to have some coarse language, but that's what we do. As Marines, we get together, we forget our filters, and I can tell you, it's going to be an exciting episode. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook, the podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. You can find more information on this episode by going to myexperiencedrealtor.com. That's experience with an ED. Go to myexperiencedrealtor.com. You click on the upper right corner where it says podcast, and that'll take you to all of the episodes that we have. You can download this episode and other episodes on whatever favorite platform you have, Amazon, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or you can listen to it from the website. There's also a drop-down menu that says Read More, and that will take you to more information on our guest today, Cowtown Warriors. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. So for the audience, let's start over here to my left, and uh, let's start off with your name, rank, serial number. No, just kidding. Just kidding. A room full of Marines. And if you're watching this on YouTube right now, what you're seeing is some cold, tasty beverages. Because just like the Marines were invented inside of a bar, Tun Tavern, back in 1775, November 10th, 1775, we had to carry on a tradition to have some beers today. So, James, <laughs> tell us who you are, what years you were in the Marine Corps, and uh, what it is you're doing today in your role with Cowtown Warriors. Well, Jeremy, thanks for having us. Um, first of all, Semper Fi. Semper Fi. Semper. Currently, I'm a <clears throat> board member of Cowtown Warriors. Um, I was in the Marines from 2000 to 2004, active duty. And I'm glad to be here, glad to help Marines, and glad to uh, contribute to the cause in any way I can. Okay. Well, what, and now what, what is your position on the board? So my position on the board, I'm president-elect. I'm going to take over for Clint once he's uh, had enough. Thank God. And uh, <laughs> try to try to wrangle Marines and uh, do everything we can to, to help our needy veterans. Okay. And what do you do for a living? A couple of things I do for a living. My main role is I am a transportation logistics producer over at Lockton Companies. We're a global company. Um, we work with all, all sorts of companies to help provide them the – most help we can around the risk management program, uh, help give them some guidance on that. And I also have a, a company where we teach uh, non-law enforcement members how to uh, de-escalate in verbal situations, people like nurses, security guards, um, customer service people. Okay. And uh, I believe you're trying to start up your own podcast that's soon to come, right? Yes. We're doing a, a podcast uh, on transportation logistics. So, you know, one thing that I see, whether it's a person who runs a billion-dollar company or someone who runs one truck or 20 trucks or whatever, there's this need for information. Um, <clears throat> so I've decided to start a podcast where we get lawyers and uh, safety consultants and successful company owners and all, all the various transportation logistics experts and uh, grill them and talk about the industry and hopefully share some knowledge across the space. 
And if my memory serves correctly, here in about another month, you're going to be done with something. And what is that? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, right on, right on the, the the verge of finishing my executive MBA uh, degree from TCU. Thanks again for uh, pushing me down that path. I so read. now, did you by verge is that verge of failing and verge of passing, <laughs> like on the cliff about to fall off? <laughs> Well, <laughs> you know, uh, I think it's on the verge of passing. Got a few more assignments. Um, we're, we're in the Keystone classes right now talking about strategy and, and leadership, um, which you could take some notes. No, just kidding. <laughs> but uh, it's it's been such an incredible experience to, uh, to learn um, how to lead people outside of the military perspective and to learn about strategy, learn about balance sheets and income statements and leveraging debt and equity and all this amazing stuff. I feel like it's, it's preparing me for the next step. And so let me ask you a question. When I talked to you into doing the executive MBA program at TCU, how many times have you put my name and a rhyme of mother trucker in the same sentence? Weekly or (laughs) (laughs) you know, I, I, I took a new career path, um, got engaged and, started the EMBA program all within space of about four months. And it's been uh, in- incredibly challenging, but also really rewarding. And yes, I have said some really mean things about you. I don't mean it. <laughs> we all have. You know? <laughs> See, the, the, the key point for everybody watching this is everybody sitting here at some point, Span has sold us on something <laughs> that we all have used that wonderful phrase more than once. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, now that you've decided to take your microphone, let's talk about you. So, Clint, oh, tell us about you, what years you were in the Marine Corps, and actually both sides of the good side and the evil side of it, and what you're doing today. So, please announce yourself to the audience. All right, audience. Clint Ludwig. Um, I was in the Marine Corps from 1997 to 2017. Oh, my time in the Marine Corps... I spent half of it on the good side, enlisted, my first 10 years. <laughs> then I made a judgment call, or lack of judgment call, and I decided to switch and uh, go to the dark side. I was able to obtain a commission and finish my second 10 years as a commissioned officer. And what, what rank did you jump out at? Uh, I retired as a captain. As a captain. There was no way they were going to make you a major. Actually, because you would have been a major pain in the ass, is basically what it much, would have been. Pretty right? much, yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, plus, you know, that that first ten years enlisted. Obviously, I didn't have a twenty year officer career, so yeah. But I did when I retired. Had to pull myself off of the major board. Okay, and then now, what is your current role with Cowtown Warriors, and what do you do for a living? So, right now, I'm currently the seating president for Cowtown Warriors. And uh, getting ready to turn that over. <laughs> your your so, enthusiasm to do that makes me a little nervous. Um, <laughs> it's, I, I mean, we, we joke. Um, it's been very, very tough, but extremely rewarding. Um, currently, I am the chief deputy for the Tarrant County Clerk. And no, I'm not law enforcement. Everybody assumes <laughs> when you say chief deputy. What? Clerks um, have have badges? Like what? Yeah, everybody gets really, really confused. It's more of a chief of staff or uh, chief operating officer type position. So you have the elected official, which is Mary Louise Nicholson. She is the county clerk. And then I work directly for her and manage and lead uh, an organization that we provide services to the over 2 million people in Tarrant County. 
So if I had to sum it up, I would say that in your role, you're the highest non-elected official in your role. Correct. Okay. That sounds like really sexy, right? <laughs> Especially when you say it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So now that we got the current president who's ready to hand it off to the incoming president, let's talk about the real role the only employed person for Cowtown Warriors. Paul, tell us who you are, right. what years you were in the Marine Corps, and what it is that you do today. Uh, my name is Paul Peterson. I was in the Marine Corps from 2004 to 2008, and I'm the executive director for Cowtown Warriors. So my role as executive director is, first off, getting yelled at by this guy, this guy. And, <laughs> now, when um, you say this guy and this guy, you pointed this one first. So Clint, who's the current president. And then you pointed at this guy. Does he yell at you because he's your brother, or do you, does he yell at you because he's the incoming president? I would say, uh, let me let me retract that statement. Getting advice from this guy, <laughs> getting yelled at by this guy. <laughs> fair statement. But, fair statement. Surprisingly accurate. <laughs> That's a good one. Did you rehearse before you came in here? It's pretty good. Oh no, no. I mean, usually, I mean, usually you're kind of stuffy and about as exciting as beer nuts on a sidewalk. So I was really impressed by that. I'm a fan of beer nuts on a sidewalk. On, on, on that note, we're going to have to have a conversation after this. <laughs> right, right. Well, better be hitting the unemployment line, huh? So for the audience, um, Paul is the only uh, paid position on Cowtown Warriors. And let's go in and talk about that real quick is if somebody makes a donation, how much of their donation goes straight to the vet? Absolutely. 100 yeah. percent. Every single penny. Now, how is that able to happen? We have uh, generous donors and we had a, a very generous person say, I'm willing to underwrite a salary so that we can complete the mission. Because just all with all the other board members, full time employees and we're volunteering and doing this on their own time. There wasn't enough time and the backlog of applicants was getting stacked and stacked and stacked and stacked. And so he generously underwrote my salary. And then uh, on top of that, all the operating costs with Cowtown Warriors, the board members pay for it out of their own pocket. And so, uh, you know, if I can talk a little bit more about that, whenever I first met you and I first heard about Cowtown Warriors, I didn't think that was possible. There's no way that a nonprofit can do 100 percent of donations go to the cause. And I've been here for a year now, and I was like, wow, holy, holy hell. Matt, for Marines, you've been here longer than a year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're actually yeah, yeah. You're in your second year. So yes. for the audience, yeah. that very generous donor re-upped his commitment yeah. to Cowtown Warriors to allow you to have another salary for another year to continue the mission. Yep. And then there's another major donor that we have, right, that pays for the annual event. Yeah. Yep. And so we uh, we have an annual event every year. And that's where we normally raise all our money from. And that's completely underwritten by a donor. So even if who's, who's that donor? Because I uh, know we want to put, yeah. put a plug in uh, for Mr. Mr. Ed Kramer, who's also a Marine. So uh, He was a Mustang Marine, too. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and we tend to do pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Calm down. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, the Kramer, and the Kramer family has what company? Uh, power service products. What do they do? So they, um, they create uh, diesel additive. That goes into diesel fuel and it helps clean engines and uh, makes our engines run a lot smoother. So a little a little background is when I founded Cowtown Warriors back in 2013, um, Ed Kramer came to the first event and we only had 20 tables at the event and he sponsored one of the tables. And I knew Ed because of his son, Jeff Kramer, 
as you know, being, getting ready to go from being a student to an alumni of the executive MBA program is Jeff and I were in the MBA program together. As a matter of fact, we ended up being overlapping classes. I was supposed to be in his class, graduate in 2013, but I had to defer a year where I came back and started the following year and graduated 2014. But that's how I got to know Jeff. Jeff saying, my dad's Marine. He probably loved to come to the event. And then after the first year has underwritten the event every year since then. So for the Kramer family and everybody, I mean, man, not, not just, you know, Jeff, not just Ed, but Mandy Kramer, who is just <clears throat> been extremely generous to uh, Cowtown Warriors and, and helping out vets. And then Michael Colby, right? And the Colby yep, family, yeah. Goosehead Insurance, Matt, Mark, and Mike Colby. Uh, y'all probably, if you're listening or watching this episode, they were our very first episode. So the three brothers have been very, very pivotal. And, and they've also been legacy donors there since the very first year. So now that we've gotten all the introductions out of the way, my father-in-law says i got to start every one of these off with a joke. So i got a joke for y'all. Y'all ready well, for this one? I've been listening to your podcast since day one, so they're less than impressive. I hope you're... You got a room full of Marines. We're drinking beers. I hope you. I hope Dude, you even if I kill this. it on this joke, you're going to find a reason to go ahead and kill me through this, anyways. <laughs> well, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so as we say in the Marine Corps, shut your suck. <laughs> Stand by and listen to my joke. All right, all right. So two brand new Marine Corps boots. Right, they're walking down the street. One says, "Look, a dead bird." The other boot. Looks up in the sky and says, "Where I don't see it." <laughs> <laughs> now, if you got a better Marine Corps joke, here is your moment to drop it. I don't want to put anything uh, on this podcast that uh, you know that's going to be incriminating evidence, incriminating evidence, or go down in history to to defer or make the Marines look bad. You know, so that was a good one, though. That was I was, I was, was definitely a good one. I was yes. trying to. I, I'm not going to lie to you; it's unoriginal. I googled it. And it's actually, it was it was it said PFCs, but I was just like in the Marine Corps, you know, like I just it just dawned on me is you came in the Marine Corps after your brother James, yeah, or did y'all have any overlap time there? Uh, we had uh, roughly two months overlap because uh, after I got out of boot camp and I was in School of Infantry, I gave him a call with the phone card. And he's screaming, yelling at me, I get out in two months. I'm like, man, I got four years. Is that bad? <laughs> <laughs> you suckers miss Christmas. <laughs> There's a reason I never went the recruiter route. It's you know, uh, infantry bus, right? That's yep. it. But, you know, I, not to not to change the subject, but I'm sitting here and I'm I, I'm I'm I have to say that I've been involved in Cowtown for o- o- almost four years now. And it never gets old hearing that every dollar goes to veterans. It never gets old. You never get uh-huh. used to it because, you know, a couple of things if I can remark on them. So whenever you donate to a charity, you usually have to do the mental math. Okay. What's their overhead, right? What what percent of this dollar actually is going to help the cause that I care about? You know, whether it's uh, – I don't want to name any local charities or anything like that, but you never have to do that with Cowtown. It's, it's, it's such a cool thing to be a part of. I, I just love it so much. And also, you know, we have – uh, donors and we have sponsors and we have underwriters and the cool thing about them is they don't care if they get a shout out. That's not why they do it. And it's it's there's no sort of bargaining or uh, conversations had around. Hey, are you going to do this or can we yeah. talk about you four times? Do you want your yeah. logo in the school? Yeah, there's none of that. Oh, negotiating for space and a pamphlet or yep. anything like that. They do it purely because they believe in what we do and 
it is it is truly amazing to be able to be a part of an organization like that and a board that works as hard as we do because it's all volunteer mm-hmm. and it's on our own time and everybody on that board has a real job. We'll break down the structure for the audience out there because we fall into the trap of we know what we know, but the audience listening may not. So talk about the structure, Cowtown Warriors, and what makes it so magical, like what the board does, what the board used to do, and what the board no longer has to do now because we have Paul and, and what. So the, the board, you've got the president, you've got your secretary, good old Bart. <laughs> and uh, he does his best. He does his best. And 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 then you've got a treasurer that uh God bless that guy too. Bazon is Bazon awesome. Bazon is amazing. Um, I would kiss Bazon if he was here right and now. And then and then the board members. And the board is all Marines. So every one of us has our own mental issue and problem to begin with. <laughs> Then you try to take all of us, you put us together and and try to have a meeting and move that forward. And you have all the same stuff that we have here, the, the jabs and the quips and the making fun. But you have such an, a mission-focused group that's able to maintain such a, a focus on we will keep this 100% to the veterans and we are going to help those disabled veterans that really need it. Mm-hmm. And all that group is able to, to put that all together. Prior to Paul coming on board, all of the vetting and all of the work to find those individuals in need and validate that they do have a need because we are custodians of those donors' money. They're, they're entrusting that in good faith that we are going to do the right thing with that. And as Marines, we are always going to do the right thing. And so there was so much effort that that goes into ensuring that we find that individual and with everybody having full-time jobs and, you know, your, your phone and things are blown up and, and trying to keep track. We were very, very, very fortunate in, in uh, Michael Colby and Goosehead and recognizing the challenges we had and that was bogging us down and slowing us down. And with Paul's position, it's freed us up to allow a lot of the work to be, that needs to be done right now, day to day. This veteran has a need and it's 11 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, I'm in the office. You're not getting a hold of me. Paul's here and he's available. And um, it's freed us up now that we can really, really get on that mission and focus on growing that mission instead of spending so much time and effort in just maintaining. So that's a, that's something I really want to segue into is so after I started the organization and now we've got seven years of history where a hundred percent of donations go straight to the vet, right? Which is man, how roughly how much money has that, that we've raised in seven years? Jesus, Well over a million. Yeah. Oh no. It's probably closer to 2 million. Closer to 2 million that's been spent on wounded ill and injured veterans that's pretty that's pretty impressive, right? And it's local. And it's local, right? Local <clears throat> money raised yeah. for local wounded ill and injured veterans. Yes. And yeah. when I suckered <laughs> Richard Wagner into taking over as president after me, um, we weren't as organized as today's Cowtown Warriors, where I think he said it best once as he goes, you know what we are? We're a drinking club with a charity problem. Which <laughs> meant that we were awesome at throwing parties and we would spend the money 
with complete integrity, but you're right. It was just a lot of, I mean, you had, what was it? At one point we had 16 or 17 board members Mm -hmm. of just like getting people to become more board members just so we would have more resources of people that could step up and try to vet people. Mm -hmm. And then under your watch, right? Under your watch as president, you were able to get Michael Colby to um, help see the challenges that we had. So under your watch, you went from having board members that did everything to having a full-time person do everything. So tell us about the transition of seeing it from both sides. Cause you're really the only sitting president to be in his shoes, to be able to go, this is how we did it before. And this is how we're doing it now. And how much ease of pain did that ease for the organization? It, it was almost an audible exhale when, when that happened, because everybody was, there was so much stress because we all care so much about the people we're helping. We care so much. And when you put in a 10 hour day, and then you're on a phone trying to track somebody down or they don't have cell phone and you're driving to their house so you can talk to them and meet with them. And it just, it was very, very difficult. And that, that pressure you felt just went away. Yeah. Mm. It just relaxed and went away. And now we are. Did you relax? No, because I was, <laughs> unfortunately. Because you're always stressed I was, I was uh. I'm still I'm still trying to manage the transition because any transition is difficult and 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 going from 16 board members to seven, yeah and and in order to speed up our decision making cycle because mm-hmm. when when you start looking at it's a it's a board there's a vote and you've got to have a majority and the larger that majority is the harder it is to obtain when so many people are so busy and some their their various schedules. And that was one of the things that I, I'd really noticed was our de- how long it took to get through that decision-making cycle. And when we shrunk that board down, we're, we're getting things done in hours that used to Got take it. us days. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, that's a good segue over to you, Paul, is you stepping in. And by the way, you've done an incredible job. Right. And I think we would all sit here and agree. The donors would agree. The recipients would agree. Well, no, just kidding. you're just his kidding. brother. If he starts being nice to you, if James starts being nice to you, it's, it's, your, it's, it's not only your brother, but soon to be your boss as he takes over as president. If he starts being nice to you, one of two things has happened. You should ask one of two questions. What did you do or what are you getting ready to do? Right. And uh, so so for the audience out there, Paul, is, is tell us about in your – well, let's start off with in your role – what is it that you do as the executive director? And then after we let the audience know what it is that that those fine dollars pay you to do is going into how does it work for a potential recipient from soup to nuts? Okay. So what do you do as the executive director at Caltown Warriors? Well, I've got uh, mainly three big roles. Um, that's vetting the applicants. Then that's being the brand of Caltown Warriors. And then that's fundraising. And all of those have quite a few different prongs that go along with that position. But uh, the vetting the applicants, I get a hold of them and I ensure that they're first off qualified and that they have an actual legitimate need. And then I send them to a vetting committee. The vetting committee signs off and then we send them to the board and the board votes yes or no. And I'm going to just – he really simplified that mm. and, and did not give it the credit due, the amount of work mm. it takes to create because he, he creates the submission to the board. And, and he's, he really is that link between us and that veteran. And he's the one that, that creates the narrative and paints the picture of not just the need, but of the individual. 
So yeah. we as a board can make informed decisions. Mm -hmm. And he puts a lot of time and effort. <clears throat> There's the phone calls back and forth, the the going out and, and physically looking at things and there's there's a he did not give it near enough credit for the amount of work that consists of that to help us ensure that, that we do a great job with the money. Yeah, and there's another yeah. thing that you have been incredible at is we're not able to help everybody, are we? No. And no. so Eric, for example, when his dad passed away, who was a Vietnam veteran, needed some burial uh, assistance and you stepped in. So talk about what you do with the other veteran service organizations, VSOs. So that way, even if we can't help the vet, what it is that you do to try to get them help through these other organizations? Uh, well, essentially um, I have over 20 different VSOs that we work with just in the DFW community. And um, if we can't help out a veteran who I know needs help, I can, sh I can shoot that veteran to the other VSO. Um, for instance, we were able to help out a lady who was hit by an IED in Iraq in 2004, medevaced, um, back to Baghdad. We helped her out financially. Just, I mean, we kept her afloat, but we, I personally don't have it in my wheelhouse for emotional counseling. So even though I still keep in touch with her, I can call another uh, company, another veteran service organization and say, hey, this lady needs help. She needs someone to talk to just to unload all of her problems, everything that's going on. So we do that. And uh, here's another example. We had a lady who, uh, an Air Force lady, who was run over by a Humvee in Afghan accident. She needed a new vehicle. I was able to work with the VSO and say, hey, how about instead of Countdown Warriors purchasing her a vehicle, we can pay three to four months of all of her bills, keep her afloat, and then you all donate the vehicle that you just repaired, got it 100%. So that's... Uh, one of the great things about tell me more about that. Like, what kind of impact does that have on that veteran's life? Mm. <laughs> oh, That's just goodness. what I was thinking. You, yeah, uh, yeah, you, you have no idea. And I break that down I, for the audience so that way they they understand. Is like when people. Well, let me ask you this: Do applicants come to us when they are forecasting that they're fixing to have oh, a need? Fuck. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. God no no come no. On. They, they all wait until they freaking Tell us when they come to us, right? Yeah, they come yeah. to us, hey, my electricity is getting turned off in four hours. Can you help me? <laughs> hey, I'm getting kicked out of my house uh, tomorrow morning. Can you please help me? Well, understand the group that we're helping. They're, they've got a lot of pride. They're stubborn. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, yeah. and they have a very hard time asking for help and uh, and that assistance. And so they wait until they're, they're, they're hanging off the cliff. And they only got two fingers left holding them up. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm working with one veteran right now. He, he asked for a certain amount of money. I said, man, that'll barely put gas in your car. What do you need? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. He's an army, a grunt, you know, an, an 11 Bravo. And I know exactly what's going on in his head because I was the same damn way back in 2008 whenever I got out. I was like, dude, let me know what you need. What do you need? What do you need? A lot of times you have to, I mean, just spend hours on the phone with them and pick it out and say, look, we're willing to help you. That's what we're here for. Please let us help you. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I want the audience to understand the impact of not just you and your role, but you went to combat yourself. Yes. And not only that, as you are disabled yourself, right? What's yes. your what's your rating percentage? Uh, I'm at 80%. 80%. So not only are you the executive director of Cowtown Warriors, but you yourself are a disabled vet out there being able, does that help and being able to identify with some of these oh, applicants? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it does. Uh, we helped the Marine. Um, I don't want to give his name, but uh, well, let's just use first names for any 
past, present, or future applicants. That way we don't dime anybody out on last names. Okay. Yep. Perfect. Uh, we helped a Marine. He was in Iraq the exact same time that I was, actually in the same AO, Al Anbar. Yeah, you say, all right, so we have some audience members that are not ever been in the military, so they don't understand. So what's AO? Um, area of operations. Essentially, the exact portion of the country that we were in and help. I mean, we probably crossed paths a few times, but uh, I was helping him out in Cowtown Warriors. Thanks to this guy, looked at his profile and said, Look, no. when you say this guy, who? Can I use profanity? Yes, <laughs> yes, you can. This is a free country because of the four of us. This is a free country. You can say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> so I submitted this applicant, this marine, up uh, to give him a certain amount of help. And James over here, he read the entire application. He read the executive summary. Executive summary and said, "No, if, if we help this guy with what he asked for, we're basically putting a fucking band aid over a goddamn sucking chest wound." No, we need to help this guy out. He's been a victim of this, a victim of that, as soon as he got back from Iraq. And we changed this dude's life. I mean, completely changed this Marine's life. How? Man, we paid off. Uh, first off, we paid off his vehicle that he wrecked. He hit a wild hog on the way to the VA. And then he was... Oh, it, it, Marine, right? Yeah. Yeah. Only yeah. Marine can hit a wild hog on the way to the VA, right? Like if that happened to Army, Air Force, Navy, Coast Guard, Space Force, or wherever else, you'd be like, what? how does that happen? Space when you hear a Marine do it, you're My like, no, that makes Space sense. Force. Really? Right? Yes. Yeah. It's part of Space Force. Yeah. I'm not even lying. It exists. Yeah. And, 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 but you're a Marine having it, and you're like, he probably oh, no, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie's in the wire. <laughs> well, I didn't ask him if he took his K-bar and uh, gutted it, cut it up, and took it home to eat. But uh, that's a whole other story. Wouldn't be surprised. But no, he, uh, he requested $4,000 to pay off the wrecked vehicle so that he could go buy another one. Because his vehicle is totaled, and he couldn't uh, pay it off. So this guy over here looks at it. He looks at his whole financial statement. His you whole say this guy over here. James Peterson. My older brother. <laughs> and he said, look, this guy's been a victim of predatory lending. He's got bills out the wazoo. He's in debt out the wazoo. Why don't we pay off all those bills and then buy this guy a new car so that he can get back and forth to the VA, to his appointments? And then speaking, you know, to go back to what we were originally talking about, he and I were in Iraq together and or not together, but at the same time in the same area of operations. And we chatted for and two hours on the phone. And I also think that... Is this Luke? <clears throat> no. no. Different one? Yeah. Different one. But I think that this guy is under so much stress with four children, four kids, just to be able to have a guy for two hours sit there and talk mm -hmm. and bullshit on the phone, not vetting him to see if he qualifies, but just talking. Oh, hey, do you remember uh, Do you remember Akashat? Oh, I remember Akashat. You remember being near Basra? Oh, uh, I think Basra? I think so. And then uh, talking about Al-Assad and the rain and the snow, you never know. That might have kept that guy from committing suicide. Let's talk about that. Segue into that real mm -hmm. quick. Is That's a real problem we have. Yeah. Actually, I want to hear this from you um, mm -hmm. because this is – I think you and I have probably more conversations about this than anything else is um, talk about veteran suicide. Well, <clears throat> you know, it's a – it's one of those subjects that I think is kind of cool to talk about, but not a lot of people are actually doing things about it, right? So there are awareness campaigns, but really when it comes down to it, you know, whenever you're under severe financial duress and nothing you seems you, you're doing makes your life go right, right? You have enough PTSD in your head and demons, but on top of that, your, your car's 
unavailable, right? Because you wrecked it and you can't get to the VA. You, you can't get a job, right? Because you can't hold it together for an interview or you can't drive to the interview. You have kids and, you know, it, <clears throat> a lot of the people we help are so close to, to suicide, right? And I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm listening to you guys talk and I think about all the veterans who didn't have it figured out when they got out. When I, when I got out, man, it I was a disaster. I had no future, no direction. Um, you know, I struggled with, with thoughts about suicide several times, you know, and uh, I didn't have any sort of Cowtown Warriors. I didn't have, you know, any great Marine mentors to help me out. I didn't have any guidance, right? It was drink, you know, hang out, you know, think about the Marines, call my Marine buddies at midnight on a Saturday, you know, multiple times before I got my my life sorted out, my career sorted out and got on a path to success. Many times, you know, there was no options except for, you know, think about suicide or maybe go have spend my last 50 bucks at, at a bar, you know. Um, you know, we, whenever you and I met, uh, we we joke about it because I I had finally got over the hump and I, I had started figuring stuff out. You know, I talk about the first Cowtown board meeting that I ever I ever went to. Um, I, I drove a car that had been wrecked three times. Um, no AC, no power steering. What part of the year was this in, too? Uh, this was in July. This was in, uh, <laughs> July in Texas, so it's, 105 it's like, degrees. I was about to say, that's about, what, 80 degrees with a slight <laughs> bit of overcast? This is the same thing, <laughs> This was, this was uh, you know, you might as well be in a sauna. And I was I knew I was going to a board, member, uh, a board meeting with a bunch of Marines. I didn't want to embarrass myself, so I took my shirt and I hung it up in the back and I drove all the way to Fort Worth with no shirt on, just sweating, disgusting, no AC. And uh, when I got there, it was like coming home. You know, it was uh, you walk into a room full of Marines. Someone bought me a beer, and I, I hear all these Marines that are very successful talk about helping other Marines. I was like, oh, this is my future. I belong here. And so. And that was four years ago. Yeah. Look, four and a half years ago. Four and a half years ago. And, and my life has changed drastically yeah. <laughs> since then right and and uh you know you're one of the people i have to thank for that um but it be, when i think about the some of the people we're helping and the way that we might just be directing them from the right path to the left path you know this future of success or continued failure it means everything and so when these people these 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 north texas business people we're just people who who care about what we care about. Whenever they give money, five dollars, ten dollars, twenty five dollars, twenty five thousand, whatever, they're not just helping a veteran. They they're they're literally changing a life, literally. And you know we have success stories of veterans who I know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name any names, but I know veterans who when you talk to them after the fact after they've got a car and they've held that job for six months. And their kids have clothes and their wife's happy, you know, and they have a little bit of savings in the bank, you know, you, you, you go have a conversation with them and they'll tell you, yeah, I was close, right? I was thinking about suck starting my pistol because life is just too hard. I have all these demons. So there, the, I think that's a unpopular aspect that, you know, a lot of veterans, once they, you know, they, they get that fancy TCU degree, they get that really well-paying job and they, they just move on. They don't want to talk about it. That, you know, maybe 10 years ago, they were in that same spot, right, where they didn't have anything figured out and they were in severe duress. And I, I tell, I probably told Paul this a hundred times and I would have given anything 
for a Catown Warriors in 2005. You know, I'm post Marine Corps, basically homeless. You know, friends that I was in combat with are committing suicide on a regular basis. You're going to funerals. You don't have any direction. You know, just for someone to say, hey, let me take a little bit of this burden off your shoulders. Let me, you know, go talk to this VSO organization. They're going to give you some free counseling. This person is going to give you some financial counseling. This person is going to help you figure out your resume and, and get you on a good career path. That would have made all the difference in the world. So, um, you know, I'll, I could preach about this all day, but the reality is that there are some people who don't have it figured out, you know, when that, whenever they get out. And people like myself are so proud. And we're, we're too proud to ask for help. Why would you, why would you talk to a, a fellow Marine and admit that you can't handle your shit and you need help? It's in some ways it's humiliating, you know, and that's why, like Clint said, that's why you get these people who are 48 hours away from living in their car and they have kids and, you know, it's only until their situation gets completely untenable and they're at the end of the rope is when they reach out. So I think right. that one of the magical things about Caltan Warriors is, so I've been out of the Marine Corps for a little bit. <clears throat> I'm, a wearing, bit. I'm wearing my commie killer shirt that y'all gave me. <laughs> so the uh, for the audience, being the oldest guy that was part of Cowtown Warriors and being asked, like, hey, when you were on your Mew, uh, was it cool being on a pirate ship or – when you had to qualify on the range, how long did it take with a musket loader and all the other <laughs> funny shit you guys would say that was really annoying, but actually fun sharing is caring and love, right? You were a jolt uh, back, right? Uh, oh, oh, really? Yeah. Really, really, Time really, tavern. really? Shut up, Paul. <laughs> well, now that I think about it, I met him in a bar. I'm willing to bet the first place you met him was a bar as well. Well, technically, so he, t Fort Worth Club. Yeah, so yeah. Fort Worth Club is basically drinking. a bar. <laughs> I, I can definitely see him starting stuff in Tun Tavern. Yeah. So, I, wait a minute. I'm not th that old. So, um, but... I had one. Were you happy when World War II ended? Seriously? <laughs> Just seriously? Guy, if you're here, no one's running hell. You are the devil. <laughs> um, so, but when I got out of the Marine Corps in the end of 96... And then, you know, did the reserves for about a year and then just was like, nah, I just need to make the separation. There wasn't a lot of resources then, right? Mm -hmm. And fast forward to 2013 when I had this epiphany that we were going to start Cowtown Warriors. Um, and how Cowtown Warriors got started is there's another organization that back then was very, very popular, but was having misallocation of funds long before it came out in the media several years later we knew about it and it was really annoying when you sit there and talk to one of your buddies who was an amputee or been burned real bad in an ied explosion or missing fingers eyeballs legs mm. toes or whatever else going yeah i went to apply for some help at this other organization that sometimes people confuse us with and i went they're not helping you like can they see that you as, as, as in like uh, 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 Forrest Gump, but Lieutenant Dan, you ain't got no legs. You know? yeah. and, and so I was sitting there like, did they know that you ain't got no legs and you're applying for a benefit and they said you don't qualify? Like, what the fuck is wrong with that? Like, how, how, like, what are they doing? And so it finally, it pissed me off enough where we really got our start with Metroplex Marines, right? So the organization over in Dallas, uh, Metroplex Marines coordinating 
Council, uh, uh, and Mike McCollum, uh, General Kerry, General Williams, um, uh, uh, Mitch Bell, um, Tony, just everybody over there, right? And um, and here were some just, and these are older Marines. Like they're actually really old, right? Like they were old in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like General Kerry was, was he was at the was Frozen a, Chosen. He was a lieutenant at the Frozen Chosen. Yeah, was a lieutenant at the Frozen Chosen, right? I Impressive. listened to him tell yeah. a story, uh, just to take us completely off track yeah. and to make you feel younger. Oh, thanks. Uh, when he was a lieutenant at the Frozen Chosen and he had a box of grenades <laughs> and he had learned that throwing them at the Chinese, you had to count first because they would pick them up and throw them back. So... He's he gets he goes out up with this box of grenades and he's counting it's battle so he's he's counting out loud and then throwing the grenade pulling a pin counting yeah. throwing a grenade well all his marines could hear was him yelling so they thought he was up there yelling profanities and throwing grenades at the Chinese <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love marine you gotta love marine corps <laughs> legends well and, and you know and and, and and that's the that's the thing is these these guys that are that are over at Metroplex Marines you know Mike McCollum. Uh, you know, General Kerry, Tony Wood, who Amazing. in Vietnam was a captain in Saigon and was putting uh, during the evacuation the last people on the helos to be the last guy that stepped on a helo before evacuate being the last guy literally to leave the embassy in, in, in Saigon, right? So these are guys that are like no shit or yep. heroes, right? Like the, the thing for the audience to understand is what makes Marines Marines is not because of what we do or the future Marines do, but we're going to honor the history of what the Marines that became before us have done, right? Like, not anything against other branches, but if you go, hey, name me five people in the Army that just, like, no kidding, made made history, right? And, and they'd be like, ah. Uh, two. two. Patton, Audie Murphy. Murphy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In the Marine Corps, we actually have <laughs> debates. <laughs> right? Like, oh, no, Smedley Butler. Oh, no, Dan Daly. You know, yeah. Tony Wood, General Kerry. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, Mattis, right? You know? And 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 so we have – that's part of our history. So when um, I was talking to Mike McCollum, I said, I want to have an event that becomes a reoccurring event because I was really surprised that Fort Worth at the time, being that we had the base, we – had Lockheed and Bell and all this very big military town, but there was no real military event each year. And I thought, man, that's an opportunity right there. And mm. if there was anything, I was in the executive MBA program at, at the time, is I was like, find where there's opportunity that it doesn't exist and you'll succeed with it. Like you can screw it up as bad as you want. You're still going to be successful. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything that I can do is to absolutely screw. Matter of <laughs> fact, the, the old saying is better to be lucky than smart. That is like my, 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 that should, that should be on my tombstone. Right. Cause it's like, Hey, I'll just get a bunch of people together, throw a dope ass party and then we'll spend the money where it belongs. Yeah. And so we had that first event and then more great, it, it just attracted other Marines. Right. And one of the things that Mike said, and, and this is nothing against the other branches of service. It's not, it, he just goes, if you really want to make this thing truly magical, keep it Marines. Mm-hmm. Because if there's anything about Marines, we're we're mission first, troop welfare second, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to kill ourselves in the process of making the mission happen. And then this thing exploded. As a matter of fact, um, in year three, when we had the event, 
And I was sitting there looking around and watching this thing explode from raising 50000 the first year to 100000 the second year. And I think it was like 150000 180000 that next year on just one night out of the year, right? And I was looking around. And the one thing that also makes Marines, Marines, is you, you get out of the way for success mm-hmm. to happen. And I often joke is I'm a guy that can build you the best landscaping money you can buy, but I'm not going to get you yard of the month. And yard of the month was sitting right in front of me, Richard Weckner, who was an officer. So just like all the other presidents like him and Jeff and yourself is take you up to the Fort Worth club, pour a bunch of drinks in you and say, you know, <laughs> as an enlisted guy, I was able to get the ball rolling, but what this organization really needs is leadership. And if there's anything the Marine Corps focuses on, in officers going through TBS and OCS is leadership. So right now, sir, what this organization needs, it needs no shit officer leadership. Do you mind taking that role? And he was like, hell yeah, Marine, I'll jump in here and I'll do it. <laughs> and then like three months afterwards. Sounds just like it. Three months afterwards. <laughs> right, hey, oh, hey, dog. Yeah. And then, uh, So three months after that, he said, you know, hey, dog, meet me up there at the uh, forward club. I want to have a beer with you. And I was like, yeah, man. I was like, what's up? He was like, now that I've done this for three months, fuck you, Span. <laughs> He's like, how do I let you pull some bullshit to get me this? And he goes, so right now we need to start focusing on who's going to be my replacement. I was like, oh, that's easy. Let's get Alesco. <laughs> and he was like, why? And I was like, well, and he goes, Alesco will never agree to do this. And I was like, no, 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 he will. And he goes, why? And I was like, because he's a retired lieutenant colonel. I'm going to play the same bullshit and be like, well, you know what this organization really needs <clears throat> is flag officer level mm. leadership. So we took uh, Alesco. So Nine months later, so we're getting close to, you know, usually a year into a presidency, you identify who the president-elect's going to be. And so we took Alesco up there, and actually we were at the Fort Worth Club. This is how much we were drinking. They had to cut us off. Oh, God. And I'm pretty sure there's only five people on a list at the Fort Worth Club that have been told, no, we're not allowed to serve you anymore. Right. No, yeah, yeah. And so, and I had to catch a flight the next day. Oh, God. And I'm not going to lie to you, that was the worst flight I've ever been on in my life. Matter of fact. I think I was still drunk and hung over at the same time. And I know we all know what that feels like. Um, so then we got Alesco in there. And then um, it came time where we were going to have to identify another president. And I looked over poor Ludwig and I said, hey, man, meet me up at the club. <laughs> and, and then now by now, he's kind of caught wind, right? He's like, no way. Fuck you. Fuck that, man. No, I know what happens when you get beers with you. You get voluntold into some shit, and then you're you're, you're going to be stuck. And I was like, no, 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 dude. Listen, it's it's per- let's just go up here. Let's talk. And I was like, do you want to know what this organization is missing right now? Is that we've had some enlisted leadership, and we'd have some <laughs> yes, officer-listed yep, yep. leadership. And right now, what this needs is unity. Someone who understands what it's like to be both enlisted and an officer. Okay. Of course, he buys into the bullshit, and then like two months into it, he's like, fuck you, no way, I'm never doing this again. How did you sucker me into this? <laughs> and, so, and so now, anytime I go, hey, man, you want to go get a drink? Everybody's like, no way, I am not getting a drink with you because I get sucked <laughs> Bring back up. They can pull you out. <laughs> if I text you, we have an emergency. Yeah. 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 So, but, and, and, and in, all, in, in all seriousness, though, is kind of to digress and come back, is the problem that I saw was organizations weren't fulfilling the need for these vets. And part of the thing that I saw in the first couple of years that we were helping vets was what it is, is the reason we're having these suicide problems and behavior problems is, 
you have a defined purpose when you're in the military, and especially mm-hmm. the Marine Corps, right? I mean, like, you don't have a choice. It's, it's brainwashing beat into you. And then when it's time to go, there is no real exit strategy. It's like, hey, here's your DD-214. Thanks for playing. You're, and you know this, right? Yeah. You know this. You know this. I know this. Is all of a sudden you step out into this world where what is your purpose now, right? And it's not even what is your purpose. It's you've literally been taken out of one world and, mm-hmm. and, and literally they break you down and they raise you in this new <clears throat> world. It has its own set of laws. It has its own language. It has its own clothes. You, you didn't even have to worry about what you wore. It was told to you every day and you learned exactly how to wear it. And you take, and that is that is your world. While you're off here living in this world, your peers are actually in society and they're getting four years ahead of you, 10 years ahead of you, 20 years ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And then you grow up in this world and the next day you walk through a door and you are in a whole new world, a whole new environment, and you have nothing. Not to mention, uh, let me piggyback off that. Whenever you're in the Marine, in the Marine Corps, you make you make friends like you never thought that you would ever have in your entire life, and they're not friends; they become brothers. brothers yeah. They become yep. your family. Quick example: and, and of, sisters. Hashtag twenty twenty one. Sisters. Yeah, 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 yeah. Infantry. Never. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, for example, uh, whenever we were in Iraq, everybody got uh, dysentery, and one of my uh, one of my younger Marines. Mm. He was trying to make it to the head, which is the restroom, and he couldn't make it in time. And you, he, you guys had heads? Well, we had a little hole that you pooped in a bag. <laughs> <laughs> you guys had bags. Okay. <laughs> oh, we're going to be <laughs> we're we're gonna gonna be this Yeah. What I had was leaves. <laughs> <laughs> you had leaves? No, that's good. <laughs> But this guy, he, he couldn't make it to the uh, he couldn't make it to the restroom to relieve himself and he ended up relieving himself all over himself. So sick. He lost like 50 pounds in a month. And then one of his fellow Marines came out there with a pack of baby wipes because we didn't have showers and he cleaned them off like he was an infant. And then the doc came over, gave him an IV, gave him an IV, carried him back to the hooch. You know, hey, this guy is not going anywhere. He's sleeping for the next few days. But you you develop that tight of brotherhood and friendship, and then overnight you're in the civilian world, and you sit there and you find yourself constantly seeking out that type of friendship, and you'll never find it again. And just it's impossible. So, and then they they pine for that. They ended up drinking a lot because you can't find that, and then that affects their finances, and then that which in turn could lead them to losing a vehicle. And not losing. only affects their finances, but they can't find a job. And here's yeah. the thing mm-hmm. is, is you have, they were in the military and they were taught. And a lot of the military schools give you some of the best training in that field mm-hmm. anywhere in the world. Anywhere and then the you world. want to translate that when you get out into the civilian world. You're like, hey, I want a job. They're like, what are you good at? And I'm like, I'm really good at killing, killing? people and cleaning my room. Even if you were a motor team mechanic. Yeah. You don't have the right certifications yeah. for the job. Or if you were one of the comms guys that worked IT, you don't have the right certifications. And you don't speak the right language. You don't speak the right language. Yeah. I, The first time I met my boss, she sat down to have a discussion with me. She held up my resume and said, I don't even know what this says. Hmm. I don't even know what this says. 
because it was 20 years of Marine Corps. Think about it. that's so they struggle getting a job because there were we're speaking. But let me languages. stop you there, though. Yeah, she didn't know what that resume said, but she still picked you. And why did she pick you? She took the time to speak to me. And then what did she learn out of speaking with you? That I was capable of leading and making decisions. And, and what was she, she looking needed, for? She needs somebody that could lead an organization and make good decisions. Yeah. And I was, but she gave me the opportunity to speak to her. She couldn't understand anything on that paper, but she called me and she sat down and she spoke to me and she was able to ask me the questions and we were able to have that dialogue and translate and, and figure it out so she could understand that I really could do the job. But uh, if, if she'd have gone just off paper, I would not be where I'm at right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, Sorry. Yeah, no. go ahead. And, and so I just encourage everybody that's listening. If you get a veteran applicant and you don't understand, take the time to have an interview. Take even if it's an hour and you find out that it's just not a good fit. You just gave that veteran a more confidence, an opportunity to improve. Mm-hmm. You helped somebody. And you get a better understanding as well. And ch- and there's a good chance that that person might be a really good fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were going to say something, James. Yeah. So in, in, in 2018, uh, so let me backtrack. When, when I was over in the sandbox, we had a, we had a, a specific battle. It was kind of, as an ambush. It was unique to Marine Corps. It was kind of when the whole house to house campaign kicked off over in Iraq. Right. So it's very traumatic. Um, what year was that? That was 2003. 2003. It's uh, yeah, you can you can it's online. So we had um, an anniversary and there was a, a, a national nonprofit that paid for the anniversary slash reunion here. Actually it took place in Fort Worth in 2018, right? So you get all these people, they show up and it is interesting. Some are are Incredibly good shape. Some of them are fat. Some of them have long hair. Some of them are cops. Some look fantastic. But what I thought was fascinating, and I, I talked to about 80 different people. There's about 400 people showed up. There's in my company, it was, it was reinforced infantry, reinforced line platoons. There's about 230 people, you know. Um, so this is making the rounds and, and, and trying to talk to as many people as I could. You could recognize the people who had had support and kind of found their way. Because they were assured and they were comfortable and they weren't bitter and they were happy. And then you saw the people who didn't really get any help when they got out. You know, what are you doing um, in between jobs? Or I'm, an, I'm a night clerk at QT or something like that. Not there's anything wrong with that. But you're a door kicker and, and, and you know, you're in your mid-40s now or, or late 30s. And it, it really stuck out. And I, I, I talked to, to my fiance and I'm probably some of you guys too about that. And you can see the difference and just getting a little help at the right time and what that can do for your career. Like someone who's willing to interview you, Clint, for and, and see that how impressive entire you life are. path. You know, um, it, it can it can make all the difference in the world. And, you know, the, the people who were just getting, you know, we're Marines. We all drink. We, every single person there drink, you know. But the people who are just getting like blackout drunk and just like breaking down were the people who just didn't find that layer of support and route post, you know, their transition into civilian life. Redefine their purpose. 
they didn't redefine their purpose. You know, uh, it, and not you know, I, we joke about being mean to you, and, I, and sometimes I'm mean to you because I know what you're capable of. Sometimes, but, uh, <laughs> Paul, that was pause. But I tell you what, man, it's it's been very impressive for me personally, having known you your whole life. Oh, that's right, because you're to, older. So yes. not only is he boot to you in the Marine Corps, but he's boot to you in life. Well. So yes, you got more time on the shitter than he has time in grade. True story. So <laughs> it's, it's, it was it was really amazing watching Paul transition because if, if you've made it this far through the podcast, one thing that I guarantee you you're not confused about is his passion, right? Yeah. I mean, some of the language that he said, I don't even think they they showed on HBO, but like you you see someone who was able to find a path to transition into a passion, right? I mean. He knows what he's doing when he gets up. He knows what he's doing when he goes to bed. He knows what he's doing during his working hours. He's got all the support he needs. He's got a community behind him. And it's it's been incredible to watch you grow, Paul, and flourish. And I, I can't wait to see what you do in the next five years. That's a good little segue that I want the audience to hear. So talk about what you got out when you got out of the Marine Corps, what you went to do as far as law school. Talk about that experience and just kind of that you were trying to figure out what your path was leading up to becoming the executive director of Cowtown Warriors. Tell us about that. Oh my goodness. Do you got six hours? Right. <laughs> no, Let's uh, sum it up in five. <laughs> essentially. Uh, I need another beer. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, got out, um, got out of, uh, <clears throat> came back from Iraq in uh, April, then April of what? April of uh, 2008. And then within two weeks, I was hundred percent civilian living in Amarillo, Texas, back home. Uh, with my wife and trying to figure out what to do. And my first job was refueling aircraft at uh, the airport. And then he called and said, Hey, get your butt down to Dallas. Got a good job for you. Got down to Dallas said, well, what do I do? What do I do? And well, you got to go to college. So I went to college and got my degree and then uh, said, well, I want to be an attorney. And I went to law school. Um, didn't like it. So I decided to not reenlist. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> military. I decided, yeah, not, yeah, yeah. I decided to not re-enroll and uh, was trying to figure out another path. And he said, hey, why don't you come to one of these meetings? It's like, oh, great, man. I don't want to be around a bunch of officers and this and that. He's like, no, 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 you're fine. So go to a meeting. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, even the officers are disgruntled here. You can make, I mean, it's the yeah. one place. Like, what's a Marine? Always a Marine. So why re-enlist? You can make fun of a colonel. You can yeah. make fun of a lance yeah. corporal. You can make fun of anybody at this meeting. Everything's fair game. Yeah. yeah. So I uh, went to the first meeting, and I uh, met all you yokels. And, I mean, it was great. And then I started volunteering. I started vetting. And uh, my first experience was vetting a lady and who was on the brink of homelessness, on the brink of losing everything and did the vetting. I got to call her and just hear the the tears and the I can't articulate it because it's all emotional. But hearing the tears whenever she said whenever I told her, you're fine, we're taking care of you for the next three months while you find employment. You're going to be OK. Don't worry about it. The. The gratefulness, the gratitude in her voice and how I, I could just tell over the phone, just feel it, that we literally just changed this lady's life. And that got me hooked. So I started volunteering to do more vetting. And then uh, James contacted me and he said, well, hey, Span might call you. I was like, oh, this is before I knew Span. So a, sp <laughs> a call from Span was a good thing I'm at sorry, that time. No, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, you didn't listen you know, to the earlier part? Did he yeah, ask you to go get a beer? <laughs> 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 
you know, so I'm driving to Fort Worth and then uh, I get a call from Wegner. He's like, hey, man, uh, Span's going to send you this. Uh, just take the test, man. It, it's this thing. Just and next thing I know, um, I'm here and I'm I'm the executive director. And this year has just been it, just incredible. I, I can't. It, it's been amazing. I've learned so much in this past year, uh, especially thanks to you three in this room. Um, I consider uh, you and I maybe maybe Span too. kind of has a, a battered wife relationship I'm like well i don't know if i should answer this call from james Spann. Oh, if i don't i'm just gonna yell at it's, i mean the uh yeah it's been incredible uh, the amount of veterans that that we've been able to help and i can't read these veterans mind i can't reach into their hearts and souls but i'm i feel deep down in my bones i'm pretty certain that we've we've prevented some suicides yeah and i mean that we have and saved lives and we have we've we changed the course of people's lives with what we do. And I had one wife, the best way I can I can, I can sum up to try to, to get some of that emotion across, which obviously the emotional part of your brain and the part that is speech are not connected. She came up, gave me a hug crying with her two daughters and said, You gave me my husband back. What organization wow. does that? Wow. What organization does that? And we don't take a cut. No. A hundred percent of the money that's that's given to this organization goes to doing exactly that. I look at it, I look at it this way. We, you know, imagine if you're a Marine and look, Iwo Jima, what the hell is Iwo Jima? Hmm. Hey, take this fucking island. You get that mountain, you take this goddamn island. We have to finish this war. The Marines there could have had the passion, the heart, the soul, the training, the tools, the equipment, everything to take that island. You know what they couldn't have done it without? Ammo. Kowtown Warriors, all the board members and myself, we have the tools, we have the passion, we have the training, we have the ambition, we want to help these people, but we can't do it without ammo. And our ammo comes from the donors and the money. Did you did you coach him on saying that? No, I wish I would have. (laughs) Did you come up with this on your own? Oh, but still, I, I, <laughs> we don't use that like, word, but I will, I will just say, Paul, that a, yeah, a, a good, that's the best way I've heard that put. Yeah. A good executive yeah. director always yeah. gives credit to the right person. So. Yeah, yeah. No, All right. yeah, I'm on my way out. So <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the butt you need to so, kiss. Right so right. I'm going to show you all this text. We don't want to name him by, by person, but you want to talk about affecting lives? Look, out of the blue today, earlier today, just out of the blue, haven't probably talked to him in a couple months, sends me a text message. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We all know who that guy is, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I'd say we made an impact on his life. Double amputee. Right? What did he say? Huh? What did he say? I was just like, hey, brother, how you doing? Right? Just pings out of the blue. So, I mean, that's the magical part of this, right? Is Here's someone that we helped. Well, yeah. but before, still, before help, there, yeah. it, there is no reaching out to the blue. Like, we would have to reach out, right? Yeah. Or, so, that in, in order for, for someone who has had trials and tribulations outside of a lot of what most veterans have known or experienced too. I understand the impact of that text. Means. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to get a casual text, Hey, how, how are you? That's impressive. Yeah. And that's yeah. what really makes this so incredible. And so here's a double amputee who we literally had to like force ourselves upon him. Right. That, that sounds worse than it was. It sounds a lot worse. <laughs> that, that did not come out the way I intended. So it started off, actually, it was one of our very first recipients. And what it was is he was getting ready to get married, and their bathroom flooded, 
and he had no money to fix the bathroom. It was either spend the money on the wedding or spend the money on the bathroom. When I heard he was going to spend it on the bathroom, we jumped in and we took care of the bathroom and he was like, holy, holy cow. And then it evolved into getting him a therapeutic bed. And then it evolved into, you know, he's come to every event and um, just sitting there. When I remember it was, uh, so what are we in? This is, this is, had to have been 2017, I think. It was after the event. And of course, he's always fun to drink with too, right? Oh, because yeah. if you check his bucket of fucks to give, it's empty, right? Like if you're waiting to catch when you're going to wait, right? It's a deficit, right? Because he doesn't care at this point, right? And I don't mean that in a mad way. I mean, just because he's embraced being a double amputee, right? And then, you know, so he'll he'll say things to make, you know, like we're at the event. Somebody comes up and they're like, man, thank you for your service. Glad we've been able to help. And he's like, man, you know what I miss the most? And they're like, what? And he's like, shoes. <laughs> and then watching the civilian like not even know how to respond and and actually it was funny because one one time we were sitting there and of course he's hammered i'm hammered and i'm just sitting there and he does the same joke right he's got it on repeat and he goes i miss shoes and this person looks at him and goes but you ain't got no legs <laughs> and he was like he looks down and he goes <laughs> what happened to my legs? My legs are missing. The civilian just has no idea. But I mean, that's the mentality that we have, yeah. right? Just as Marines, vets, and just, I mean, yeah. just embracing it. And I'm crying. I'm laughing so hard, right? Yeah. And so, like, there was another, after one event, we were we were all hanging out at a bar, same Marine, and he's in his wheelchair, and he's walking through, and he looks at me, and he goes, the infamous words that you never want to hear a, Marine, a drunk Marine say, he's like, Hey, watch this. <laughs> so he's going up, right? And he runs into someone nightmare. and the guy yeah. talks shit to turn around and naturally turns around like at eye level and looks down. And he was like, he's like, oh, bro, I'm sorry. And he goes, oh, sorry. He goes, you better watch out. I will stand up and whoop your ass. And he goes, and let me tell you what, I'll punch you in the nuts so hard because I'm at about that level. <laughs> and it just, and you're just sitting here crying, laughing, watching this go down, right? But to now... Here it is. Haven't talked to him in, I, I don't even know how many weeks, but just pings out of the blue. Hey, man, what's going on? How you doing? And I, that's when I'm like, you know what? We really made an impact. So I think it was at the 2017 event. I said, hey, man, what can we really do? And yeah, I would fix your bathroom. You got a new bed and you know stuff like that. But I mean, like, what can we really do? And he's like, no, nah, man. I mean, you guys, you, you've done more than enough. And I was like, no. Like, what could we do? Now, the one thing we've learned about spouses, <laughs> the Marine or the veteran that we're helping might not say what they want, but the spouse will go, I'll tell you what we need, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is great. And that's what yeah, it actually they don't hold back. No, yeah. and that's actually became part of our process, right? Is that we were like, if they're not going to tell us, let's go to the spouse because the spouse damn mm-hmm. sure will and be like, look, mm-hmm. he's not going to tell you or she's not going to tell you, but this is what we need. And she goes, he needs somewhere to work on his motorcycles. And I was like, well, so what's going on? And, and she was just like, yeah, he, he's, you know, got this hobby of working on motorcycles, but I can't park my vehicle in the garage and all this other stuff. And and so I was like, hey, man, this is true. I mean, you want somewhere to work on it? And he stopped and he goes, you know, actually, if I had a place that I could work on these motorcycles that was outside the garage and I had a place that like put tools and have the space to work on it and everything else, I would actually be able to make a living out of doing that. Like, what? Here's a guy, double amputee, 100% disabled, probably never going to have a normal job in his life. And I was like, what do you need? And, and so we 
spit it out, and we built them a bad-ass building right off of his garage. And we had a big ceremony there, and we had a bunch of people show up as we did the ribbon-cutting uh, ceremony. And, and here it is. Now he's able to take that and drive an it's income for his family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got that purpose, right? So that's yeah. the amazing thing about Cowtown Warriors is, like you said, we're saving lives. We're giving people purpose. They have someone that can identify with them that has the passion that says, listen, we're not here to do handouts and charity. We're here because we're going to take care of each other, and that's what we're here to do. And and so having you be able to speak with absolute candor and passion, that's why they're opening up. And so – like I think back to Michael as Michael's one of the things he wanted was KPIs, right? Like what I want to know, what did you do inside your year to make a difference? So when you had that conversation with him back in November and you said, Hey, this is the KPIs. Give us two examples of KPIs of what was one way prior to having an executive director and now having an executive director. And what was his response to those? Oh, you put me on the spot, man. Um, yeah. One of the biggest things about the KPIs was the turnaround rate from whenever someone applied to whenever they were first contacted, we were able to get them help. And that was improved by roughly 2,800%. Wow. Say that one more time so that way the audience can hear that. It was improved by how much? Uh, Roughly 2,800%. So what was the average wait time on a person prior? Um, Back then it was uh, about three months. Okay. Two months to three months. And then what is it now? Uh, Now it's roughly four to five days. If they get all the information that is needed, that is required for us, from us as us being good fiduciaries of our donors' uh, money, the ammo that they give us. So, man, and, wow, yeah. wow. So, and what I, was what was what was Michael's response to hearing that? Uh, he seemed blown away. Uh, he's a very busy guy. Yeah, we spoke very briefly, but he was he was happy. Yeah, and he said, "I didn't have to ask. I assumed that someone else, one of my bosses, was going to ask." But he said, "You can count on me for funding for another year." Yeah, and that. That blew me away. And, um, you know, do you mind if I change the subject just real quick? Yeah, go ahead. One of the things about uh, we're speaking to Patrick, um, I got to talk to him, you know, a while back, and we spent about an hour on the phone just talking about the Marine Corps. And it was funny. He was telling me, yeah, I remember being blown up. You know, I remember, hey, guy behind me says, is that your leg? And he laughs about it. We joke about it. And we talk on the phone. And it's it's incredible. So it's. Well, having an outlet for these veterans, especially the ones that significantly injured, just having someone to talk to, right, that's going to answer the phone. Mm-hmm. And that's – I think that's the message we try to tell all <laughs> veterans out there. Look, pick up the phone and call somebody, right? The answer is – you know, as I say in sales, the answer is always no unless you ask. Well, no one's going to answer the phone if you don't call them. Pick up the phone, call them. I'm having a bad day. Mm-hmm. Life sucks right now. And, and look – we all still have bad days, right? Even all of us doing really well, we still have our bad days. The last quarter of the year is always the worst quarter for me. Right? You know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of line guys, a lot of infantry guys that uh, have all four finger, uh, all, all, all their their fingers and toes. Um, they'll look at someone like the person we were talking about, um, and they'll look at themselves, and they'll say, "Well, I, I don't rate." You know, this this guy's. He's in a wheelchair. He's missing an arm or he, you know, got shot in the chest four times and barely survived. Whereas that person might have some severe mental duress or some severe PTSD. And it's really hard for them to reach out. And that's one of the things that we've struggled with 
You know, let me, that, let me we hear that a lot. Back on yeah. that. We hear the give the money to somebody else who needs yeah. it yeah. all the time. You're, yeah. And, and we're like, you have no money. It's June. Your kids are coming to visit and you, your AC just went out. You have a need. Mm. What about that? That. Uh, Marsock guy that he's a freaking would, door I, kicker I, makes I, makes Rambo look like a grocery boy. Which one? I, I literally mm. just wrote down his name yeah. just now because I yeah. wanted to make sure we didn't miss him because here's the deal is here's a guy who's a Purple Heart recipient. He's got all fingers, toes, and everything else. By the way, what you have to love about this guy is he is the sweetest, nicest guy you've ever seen in your life. And when it comes to terrorists, he has killed more of them than the Ebola viruses that wiped out communities. Right? He looks like a nice youth minister. He, he does. parts his hair too far. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, what a what a gentle guy. I wonder yeah, if he yeah. wants to watch my. Yeah. Meanwhile, the thing you know, <clears> he's like, no, no, like a million You're talking people. about the one that grabbed the AK and killed terrorists <laughs> yeah. with their own weapon. Yes. Yeah. Legendary. He, yeah. 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 And then here it is. Like I, I'll never forget is like um, when he had pinged me, and he wasn't looking for help from Caltown Warriors. He just he called me, and. You know, and as you know, he and I are very, very, very close. Mm-hmm. And he just goes, hey, man, um, I'm trying to figure I, – I got hit with these medical bills. And I was just wondering – he was like, you're in business. Do you, do you, what would be the best way you would go about handling these medical bills? Because, man, it's getting kind of overwhelming. And I just moved up here to the DFW Metroplex. And, man, you know, I got a wife and the kids. And I just uh, – trying to figure out what to do because it's, it's actually really starting to become a little overwhelming. And I was like, uh, how overwhelming, brother? Yeah, man, I mean, I just trying to figure out a way. And then, of course, he and I being close enough, I went, talk to me, brother. What's going on? And then when he told me how that was impacting him because of that financial burden, I was like, uh, did you or did you not get a Purple Heart? And he mm-hmm. was like, I did. And I was like, apply to Cowtown. And he was like, no, 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 That's for dudes that like lost legs and stuff like that. And I was like, no, no, no. Cowtown Warriors, if you have a Purple Heart, you go to the front of the line. And that's what this was started. Matter of fact, when we first started this organization, it was intended on helping Purple Hearts, but we couldn't find them. Mm-hmm. So we evolved it to be wounded, ill, and injured veterans. If you got a disability rating, hey, come one, come all. Let's vet you out and see. And so – I said, dude, this is the reason I started this organization was because of guys like you that are too proud to ask for help apply. Mm-hmm. And, man, let me tell you, when he got the phone call from you saying, uh, you know, you got funded to take care of those medical bills, right? He called me, and I was, I was, I was actually in Colorado, and uh, he said, hey, man, thanks. I was like, yeah, brother. And he goes, no. I don't know how to say this. He was like, you you ch- helped me change the trajectory of my life because I didn't know how I was going to go make the money to eliminate this burden that was going to that was going to be a barrier to me providing for my family. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, he wasn't going to suicide or any of that. I don't want anybody to misconstrue that. But it was such a barrier for him that now he was able to launch forward and he's doing great now. Right. So those are the kind of things that that we have. And what I want to make sure that we don't miss is talk about the vetting process. It, what is what are the the you know the two prong tests? I want you to talk about that and how does somebody apply? So a vet out there, where do they go? How do they do this? And what is the process? So describe that to us, Paul. Uh, the two prong test is very simple. 
Just uh, you have to be honorably discharged or have a uh, general under honorable conditions discharge, and you have to have a VA disability rating. If you have a Purple Heart, it completely wipes out the VA disability rating. And like you just said, they go to the front of the line. Um, the vetting process is very simple. Basically, we just look at your financial statement and we find out your need. And then uh, we send you up to the board and we help you. So if you do want to apply, you can email me directly at paul at cowtownwarriors.com. Or you can go to our website, www.cowtownwarriors.com and apply. Okay. So when they go to www.cowtownwarriors.com, what are they looking for when they get to the link? Um, at, at the very top of the website, um, it says donate or apply for benefits. Click on that and start applying. And if you have any questions, any questions, any issues whatsoever, if anything's unclear, you can call me directly at 760-699-1813. Okay. And um, so that's helping vets. So they, yeah. they go on there, they apply. <clears throat> They meet the standards that we have to be an applicant, and then that goes up to the board, right? Yeah, so what will end up happening is they will be contacted by Paul, and he's going to say, hey, tell me about yourself, your career, your service, and because he wants to be able to articulate to the board who this person is. So not just being a number. Yes. Yeah. We want an, an, an a picture, and because and, we've been talking a lot about money, but this is way more than money, and and – and what their need really is. Trying to find that need is, is the most important thing. Um, because the, the needs can be so varied. From I need tires so I can go to job interviews to a World War II vet that needs a house remodeled so their wheelchair can get through. It's, it's, it's so vast. And that's the thing that's great about this organization is we focus on the need. And that's, that's Paul's job to articulate that and put that in a summary that we can all understand being jarheads. And so we sit there, we chew on our crayons and we read <laughs> and we read through these executive summaries. And we have a discussion on the person being qualified and their need and the legitimacy of the need. And are we able to see something in there that, that will better help them? than what they think their need is. There's mm -hmm. there there are some very intelligent people in that room, not me, but some other people in there. Thank you, Clint. And uh <laughs> and, just uh, kidding. Not me. Not, no, you're not. Um, no, you're not. There's truth to every joke. And, we, and, we and we're able to look and, and we're able to brainstorm and we're saying, okay, well this, but how about we get them financial counseling from here as well? And you know, they, they would also be good if we can send them over to this organization and they can receive this kind of training. Or with the job placement, we can we send them here to help them get some of those skills and, and do all those things? Because it's not about just solving that specific issue. It's about getting them stable and on a path to success. So years down the road, they can send us a text asking us how we're doing. So, yeah. So, it's you know, part of that is is – A, we have someone doing the vetting and learning about them who is a combat disabled vet. And this is his entire life. And obviously, again, he cares about it to an incredible level. But everyone around the table uh, that's talking about these veterans, it's reading executive summary and that, you know, you and I are going going round and round about the best way to. It's not because we we disagree with Paul or we don't want to help the veteran. It's because we love what we do and we care about this so much 
that we want every dollar to maximize this veteran's future potential. And a lot of times, you know, when when you're in some sort of financial duress or whatever, you, you can get kind of one track mind, right? And you might not understand that it's not necessarily your car tires or something else. You, you know, we we're able to see the big picture in a lot of times, and it's yeah. it's it's incredibly rewarding. Um, if I can be selfish for just a little bit, it's yeah. incredibly wor- rewarding to help these these veterans uh, go forward in life. It's. It, do you mind so, if I get a, a, a so, shout out to someone? Yeah, absolutely. Do it. We had a veteran, Vietnam veteran. Uh, he got to Dragon Mountain in the highlands of Vietnam, the famous Dragon Mountain, uh, two days after the Battle of Dak Toe, where over 400 soldiers were killed. He, his air conditioning went out. He's uh, 100% disabled, cancer, and legally blind from being uh, uh, Agent Orange. Orange. He heard about us from some guy at a gas station because his air conditioning went out. So I'd like to say, Mike, uh, thanks. Without you and without what you've provided us, that word wouldn't get spread as easily and as quickly as it had. So yeah. thank you. And, and there's there's a couple of things because we could be here for hours and hours. There's a, there's a couple of things I want to – quick topics I want to cover is I wouldn't do this podcast any justice without thanking a couple of people that helped me get this started back in 2013. Terry Ryan, who was a Marine back in the fifties, uh, went to Yale, guy from Chicago, incredible human being who I became close friends with. Um, David Goodrow, who was on our board, the only non-Marine to ever (laughs) be on our board, who brought a wealth of information, who's been on just probably about every other board in the city of Fort Worth and Tarrant County. So, David Goodrow, thank you so much for the time that you spent as a board member and as an honorary Marine, if we're going to give a title like that to anybody, because he was the only one that was not a Marine that was even allowed into the closed click club of Marine <laughs> run organization. Right. And then of course, a still a board member, fellow founder, James Korth. Uh, you can't miss him. Mm. Six foot nine. It, it, now he's a full bird Colonel. Oh, and I've loved nothing, nothing better than to be able to make fun of a Colonel. And, and I think if anybody could get in under James's skin, it's definitely me. But, um, <laughs> But that when you talk about passion and people that care, I couldn't have started this thing back in 2013 if it wasn't for those three guys, right? The donors are important. The recipients are important. Metroplex Marines is important. But if it wasn't for those three guys stepping up, we wouldn't be sitting in this room today. The amazing thing about James is he brings that passion to every single board meeting. Is that what we call it? (laughs) <laughs> he brings anger. <laughs> he brings he brings emotion. He is a warrior though, so <laughs> that's fun, it's funny. I, I, I was thinking about James the other day. So, in one of our leadership uh, uh, classes over TCU, humble brag. So, they were talking about having someone on the board who talks about worst case scenario with yeah. every idea. Yeah, and it's funny that we had that with James yeah. from the start. We didn't even plan it. He's our he's yeah. our he's, he's our he's our risk check person, right? One hundred percent, because he's going to run it all out. And it was really interesting is as new people came on the board, they were literally, you'd hear them be like, man, fuck that colonel, man. And I said, listen, you have to understand is this is James is not trying to be negative about anything. He's just trying to run all what if scenarios mm-hmm. as possible 
for a number of reasons, he too is on many, many boards. Mm -hmm. He's now a full colonel, you know, still in the reserves. He's a lawyer, right? So by nature, that's his job is to look at the risk associated with anything to protect the brand, to -hmm. protect the organization. So without those three guys, this thing would have never happened. And if it wasn't for these three guys, we wouldn't be carrying forward going on yet another seven years in a in a world where because of the pandemic, philanthropy.com said a third of nonprofits because of the pandemic will shut their doors and not reopen. Mm-hmm. Right? Cowtown Warriors are not going to have that problem. Right? We run yeah. lean. We have generous donors. And that's the other thing I want to make sure we, we touch on is how does a donor – Donate. And by the way, I want to give you a big props, right? So prospecting and bringing on donors is not easy, right? Matter of fact, in sales in general, like most people would rather be waterboarded with kerosene in Guantanamo Bay mm-hmm. than to try to develop a lead. And by design, you're not a lead developer, but that never stopped yeah. me or your brother or Clint from putting pressure on you, right? And uh, and then, then, Paul, you son of a bitch. I told him, I was like, I finally, and I don't know, maybe this was the carrot that finally got it. I was like, look, man, you go out there and bring in your own $20,000 donor. I'll let you use my vacation house in the mountains for a week. <laughs> and then a couple of weeks ago, he calls me and he's like, which week do I get? I was like, what are you talking about? I have no idea. Like, I have no idea. I was like, what? Paul, what the fuck are you talking about? And then you were like, uh, yeah, man, um, I got a $20,000 check. And I was like, from one of our current donors? And you're like, nope, you had gone. So tell us about that. You went to a wedding, right? Yes. Let's leave names and everything else out. But you're at the wedding. Walk us through how that conversation happened and how that generated a $20,000 check to Cowtown Warriors. Um, I went to a wedding with uh, another Marine, a Marsoc Marine. And the individual that did the prayer, he looked familiar. I, I have no idea why I thought he was familiar, but uh, I introduced myself to him. And- you didn't have sex with him, did you? <laughs> On the record? <laughs> Why did you even have to think about yeah, that? Like you, man, that was, like a, that was the Come biggest on. pregnant this pause was, I've this seen yet. This was $20,000. Yeah. He earned it somewhere. 25000 No, I mean, that's the right? thing. Is I wasn't but, judging. Yeah. If you had to give him a handy for the twenty grand, I mean, hey, you know, tomato, tomato. All, you know, okay. okay. I mean, yeah. how, did, how did you get his salary paid for? Let's talk, let's talk nuts and bolts. Yeah. So, anyhow, so really you're, you're at this wedding, and you're, you're, the guy looks familiar. Yeah, and he was uh, From he not was a leaving. back alley. Nope. He was, uh, he gave the prayer and he's a fellow Marine and he made a joke about boot camp enlisted. So that makes it a lot better. No offense. But he uh, went there. He was both. I was there. Yeah. He was yeah. Both. But he, you know, he gave up on us. <laughs> uh, I, he was busy and I introduced myself to him and uh, we chatted for roughly five minutes and he just said, Hey, put me down for 20 grand. Wow. And so that quick five minutes, five minutes. So all this pressure we've been putting on passion. you that you could go you could go do this and then when you learned you could get a twenty thousand dollar check in five minutes, you were like, I gotta go back and tell them this works. Yeah, you know, after uh you know, I'll be honest, um sometimes I'd rather be hit by a god goddamn IED than ask for money. Yeah. <laughs> I, I talked with uh Michael, you know, with Mike Colby after our last ball, and I didn't get to drink during the ball. You know, I'm rushing around because all you guys are like, Oh, you'll be fine. Why are you doing this? And so <laughs> So, you know, I'm having a beer with, uh, you know, Michael Colby and good old Donnie about two in the morning after the ball. And Mike looked at me and he said, the hardest thing about your job is asking for money. Yeah. And I was like, well, no, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Nope. He was right. Yeah. He was right. hundred percent. 
I will say the asking part is, but what I've noticed about Cowtown Warriors is you don't even really have to ask. You just tell them what it is we do, and they ask us. How do we donate? How do we donate? Mm -hmm. You know why? How unique we are. Trust. Yeah. Trust. Trust. 100%. -hmm. They trust where the money's going. And we got seven years of history of showing that every penny out of a dollar is going to go straight to those vets. So listeners out there that want to donate, what do they do? Uh, You can either write a check and send it to P.O. Box 1295, Fort Worth, Texas, 76101. Or you can go to the website, www.cowtownwarriors.com and donate through there. Even now, this is how serious we are to where 100% of donations go to Cowtown. They go to the they go to the mission. They go to the veterans. If you donate through the website, you'll go to PayPal and PayPal charges a fee. You know who pays for that fee? The board members. Yep. So that 100% of your donation actually goes to veterans. Okay. And that, that's incredible. Like, I'm not going to name drop, but whenever I got out, whenever I had the means, I would donate 5, 10, 20 bucks whenever I had time to that organization that many people mistake us for. Yeah. And then once I heard about it, I said, nope, not again. So let me ask you, if somebody were to go to the website and say, I'm going to donate $20 a month on a reoccurring donation, would that make a difference? Oh, a huge difference. Yeah. 20, man, I mean, five bucks a month makes a huge difference. Every, every, penny every single penny. Yeah. Every single penny. And I hate using the, you know, I hate whenever someone says, well, our big donor. I mean, to me, every single donor is a big donor. You know, I've got, I've got individuals that I know that barely make $20,000 a year, and they're donating 10 bucks a month. We have that, a, that's active, duty, active yeah. duty Lance Corporals making monthly donations right yes. now. Yeah. Yeah. Which so is, every single donor any, is a big you know, donor. <clears throat> that's that's great. That. That's great. And then again, um, we're going to post your phone number. I don't know about you. I wouldn't put my phone number out there on the internet, but it's too late. This is yeah. out, man. You are not even going to redact that. <laughs> Wait, the work phone. Here's what's going to happen. He's going to start getting two types of calls. Hey, I need to be an applicant or I need to be a donor. And then he's going to get that surprising third call of like, oh, they said that I could call anybody I wanted. And you're going to get all kinds yeah. of inappropriate photos being texted yeah. to you until he realizes he'll be like, Wait a minute, that's Span's burner phone. <laughs> <laughs> So, I, I, so I, I end every one of these podcasts um, by going around and saying, if you could go back and talk to 20-year-old self, right, there's a million things we would tell ourselves, and we would hope we would listen, but chances are we wouldn't. But if you could make yourself, I'm going to start with you, James, if you could talk to 20-year-old self, what is the one thing you would tell yourself is, like, just if anything, do or don't do this. What would be your your one thing you would tell yourself? Uh, you know that that dancer in Okinawa doesn't actually like you. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. So no, you're not. Don't write that down. Uh, <laughs> you know, I did think about this because I, I I'm a fan of your podcast. I listen to it. And I, this is a difficult one, and uh, really, I would just say that. You know, I, I I wish that I could have found my executive board sooner. My, you know, you and and, and several other people on the Cowtown board and some business mentors within Fort Worth that have made a huge difference in my life. You know, I feel like I uh, I had a chip on my shoulder coming out of combat, and these civilians don't know me or what I went through, and they're never going to be Marines and blah blah blah. When re- if I could have just got rid of that and, and focus on being a better man, uh, there's no telling where I would be today. Great, great. Paul, what would you tell 20-year-old self? Don't ever answer a call from Spam. (laughs) (laughs) 
There's a lot of truth to that one. I wish I would have thought about it. <laughs> dude, where, where did this guy come from? Dude, seriously, man. Like, dude, you're 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 as boring as actually doing an MCI. And all of a sudden now he's got jokes. It's amazing what happens with confidence. The, best, the, Red, best Red, Bull the Red Bull gave him wings. <laughs> all right, so what would you tell a twenty year old self besides don't then, take Span's call? Uh, keep it simple. Um three things. Stay humble. Don't worry about what people think of you. And don't try to be perfect. If you worry about what people think of you and you try to be perfect, you're only going to create a barrier to success. And uh, Great. what uh, this one guy said, it took me a little while to figure out, be a practitioner, not a perfectionist. So that's what I would say. Who told you that? Man, this fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Clint, what would you say to twenty-year-old self? This one's this one's really hard for me because I, I I think about it and I've even had time to think about it and I feel so blessed and so fortunate to be where I'm at right now. Um, being a kid that came from the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, in a broken home, where the men are men or the sheep are scared, they're nervous. <laughs> they're nervous. Um, and and. To wind up where I am today, I, n- I never would have imagined it. Yeah. And I know how lucky and how fortunate I was that my transition from the military to the civilian world went as smoothly as it did. And I only ended up here because of the things that I screwed up and the mistakes that I made. Because you learn so much from those. And, and so I don't – I wouldn't change where I'm at. And so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to tell myself anything that would change where I'm at. I, I think I'd, I'd just tell myself, "You do you. Um, keep the work ethic, but it's not all about the work. And take some time to enjoy some of those things while you're in them." Are you speaking this because of present day? Because I don't know anybody that puts in more hours than you. I mean, it, not not. I mean, you know, hey, we all know I'm in real estate, and actually, all of y'all bought houses because of me. You're welcome. You're but man, <laughs> trying to nail this guy down, he's like, I'm at work. I was like, dude, it's like ten o'clock at night, and he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> or it's ten o'clock in the morning, or hey, it's two o'clock in the morning. Seriously, your work ethic is is just as incredible as could be, and man, and that's yeah, I appreciate that. It's yeah. You know, I'll do You care about is- the county. You care about the people that live in Tarrant County. And let me just tell you, for the listeners out there, you're getting taken care of because of Clint Ludwig, right? He's making things happen. And um, and especially, you know, you and I have many conversations after the pandemic hit and the challenges and uphill battles that you had to face to make sure things stayed on point. And, man, let me tell you, you're a leader of leaders, man. And, and thank you for that. what you do, not only for Cowtown, not only for the Marine Corps, but what you do for the citizens of Tarrant County. So thank you very much. I, I found my purpose. So it was service in the Marine Corps, and now it's service out of the Marine Corps. Yeah, I, I still get to serve, and that's a great thing. Well, gentlemen, thank you for showing up. As mentioned before, you can go to www.cowtownwarriors.com and find out information, or you can call Paul or send him inappropriate texts. Or if anything, you can't remember what it was, 
always go to myexperiencedrealtor.com. That's experience with an ED, myexperiencedrealtor.com. Click on podcast, go down to the Cowtown Warriors episode, hit the read more, learn more link on that, and you'll find out exactly how to get here. And uh, let's continue to make a difference in veterans' lives. Gentlemen, thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the What'd you think, guys? Liked it. Yeah? I sure wish you could.